I mean, that's really, that's really cool to look back and like, know that as like a, a, as a 13, 14 year old kid, I'm recognizing, you know, the struggles that you are going through. And, and that's when I first understood like, oh, this isn't teaching. Isn't just all fun and games and going and hanging out with kids all day and having fun. Like it, it is a, it is a job and realizing that people can struggle with their jobs. That was something that I had never really seen before and and recognized, but I definitely remember that time. Hey there, I'm Amber Harper, former burned out teacher turned teacher burnout coach, dedicated to helping other teachers like you to grow through your burnout and take your next best steps toward what you want from your career in education and in life. After an embarrassing emotional breakdown in front of my teacher besties, I knew something needed to change, and that something was me. I decided that I wasn't going to settle for burnout as my sentence as a teacher, mom, wife, or friend, and I knew it was going to take way more than practicing conventional self-care to make the progress I wanted to make. No amount of manicures, bottles of wine, or bubble baths was going to save this girl. Fast forward to a few years later, and I've used everything I've learned about teacher burnout and personal development to write a book, build a course, and lead a community of burned-in teachers who refuse to settle for a life of burnout as their forever reality. I've used my burnout as an opportunity to become an active participant in my life, in the classroom, and here on the mic, using all that I've learned to teach kids and serve teachers. And you can do the same. The Burned In Teacher Podcast is one part burnout and all other parts action, inspiration, and support to help you grow through your burnout and live a happier, more fulfilled career and life. So take a deep breath, my friend, because you are about to take your next best step to becoming a Burned In Teacher. Let's dive in. Hey, what's up, Burned In Teachers? Welcome to episode 179 of the Burned In Teacher Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me here. If we've never met before, hello and welcome. My name is Amber Harper. And maybe that voice at the very beginning of this episode sounded familiar. And if it did, it should. And that's because on this episode, I am interviewing our oldest daughter, Hannah. And um, it all stemmed from, have you ever been having a conversation with somebody over the phone or FaceTime or, you know, just face to face and you're like, gosh, I wish that we could record this because it's so darn good. Um, That's actually what happened between Hannah and I. She is a college, gosh, now we can say senior since it's, you know, March, April of 2023. And I cannot believe she's going to be graduating next December from college. It just blows my mind. But we talk all the time via FaceTime, phone call, Snapchat, all kinds of stuff. And one day she and I were FaceTiming and I was asking her some questions about, and actually I don't even think I was asking her questions. She just randomly was talking about some of her professors that she really loves. And I was like, oh my gosh, Hannah, would you come onto the podcast and talk to me just as a full, just the full spectrum of your education career, you know, from kindergarten all the way through now being a senior in college, just some things and trends that you've noticed about your teachers and your professors and um, and also, you know, your perspective on, on me and your dad as teachers and she was game on. So <laughs> I'm really excited to share this episode with you today. But before we dive into the episode, I wanted to say again, if you haven't heard me say it lately, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. 
As I'm recording this, I'm so proud to announce that we are close to 150,000 individual unique downloads of the Burn and Teacher podcast, and it blows my mind. And I'm just so grateful and so just so thankful that you are trusting me and listening to these stories and um, implementing things that you're learning. And I, my biggest wish is that you are gleaning something from these episodes and that you're doing something different in order to see different results in your career and life. And we're going to put a link in the show notes for you to leave a rating and review of the podcast. And the reason we're doing that is because the more ratings and reviews that we get for the Burn and Teacher podcast on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts, uh, the more people find us and the easier it is for other teachers who are struggling, uh, it, the easier it is for them to find us as well. So if you have found any value from the Burn and Teacher podcast at all over the last four years, I would really appreciate it if you jump in there, give us a rating and review, and I will be more than happy to read it here on the podcast and give you a shout out. All right, without further ado, let's jump into Hannah's perspective on teachers she's had throughout her education career and some insights that she has from being the daughter of two educators who are not afraid to talk about the challenges around the dinner table and the things that she's learned about not just teaching, but what it's like to have a job and, uh, and a life outside of it. Let's dive in. Hey, Hannah. Thanks so much for joining us on the Burned and Teacher podcast today. Will you please tell my listeners all about you? Yes. Hello. My name is Hannah Harper. I'm Amber's oldest and most favorite daughter. <laughs> I'm 21 years old and I go to school at Indiana University. Um, I'm getting my Bachelor of Science in Public Affairs with a concentration in Environmental Management. And I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you too. So, for all of you listeners that are maybe new to the podcast or new to Burned In Teacher, um, Jeff, my husband, and I had Hannah um, when I was, well, I was right out of high school. So what was it, two months to the day after I graduated high school? Um, we were parents. And uh, so Hannah has been through college twice <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> whenever Jeff and I were getting our degrees. Um, we had our own apartment. And uh, so Hannah's been through a lot with us um, as we've, you know, gone into education as our careers. And um, Hannah, I'm so glad you're here today to talk about several things. Um, one of them being your experience with teachers who you've had throughout your elementary, middle school, high school, now college career, um, who have maybe been experiencing burnout. And uh, this all really stemmed from a conversation you and I were just casually having over FaceTime. And I was like, Hannah, you need to come on the podcast and talk about this. And then also, you know, because you've been, you know, you've been around since before your dad and I were even teachers, you've mm -hmm. seen me go through a lot that I've talked about here on the podcast. And I would just love to hear your perspective because the point of this podcast, I believe, or today's episode is really to help people to be reflective on how they're handling, like externally, how they're handling their own burnout, because it yeah. really does affect your students and your, your own biological children or your, you know, your family, whatever family dynamic you have. Um, it really does affect more people than just you. Yeah. So, so let's start by um, kind of going back to that conversation you and I were having, you were talking about some professors that you really love. And how mm -hmm. you can tell that they just really love what they do. 
And so I started to just ask you some questions about like, how, well, how do you know that they love what they do? And then who are some maybe professors or teachers who you've had in the past who you could tell that they were just really struggling? Yeah. So in my experience with college, I found that there are three different types of professors. And I mean, this can even go into teachers, you know, at the uh, primary or secondary level as well. Um, The first is the tenured teacher who is there to collect their pension once they retire in three years. Mm -hmm. Um, They're not really caring about the students individually. They come in, they do their work, they go home, which is totally fine. You know, everyone has to make money, has to get their bag. Um, The second kind of professor that I've had that I really enjoy, I know some people don't really like this kind of style, but they're very professional. They're very to the point. Um, They care about their students, but not on an individual level. They care about giving you the information, helping you succeed, but they're, they're doing their job. They're not there to teach. They're there to do their job. Um, And it's, it's a good, it's a good dynamic. You know, it, it has that professional setting. It teaches students to kind of help themselves learn along the way. And it's just kind of impersonal. Um, but it's still, it's a good, it's a good professor, good teacher. The last one is my favorite kind of professor. Uh, they're there because they love what they do. Mm. They're there because they want to teach the, the next generation. Um, I had a professor last semester. He's worked for the EPA. He's worked for all of these amazing different environmental quality um, departments. And he's retired. He teaches one class. Like he's building a brand new house with his wife. He's like doing all of these things. He comes into work and he just talks mm. and I learned the most from him than I have from any other professor in college. Mm. Um, it, it was less of a lecture and more of a conversation. And he really pounded into us the things that we needed to know, but he did it in a way that showed that he genuinely cared. He wasn't that just there to make money. He was there because he wanted to teach us and he wanted to, um, inspire us to, you know, actually do the work and learn about it and do the work and care about it. Mm. Um, you know, I, I think that a lot of times, um, you can, you can see burnout in professors when you can tell that they are just there, Mm. they're there physically, they're not really there mentally. Um, and they don't really show that they care about their students. Again, they're just there to do their job. Um, but yeah, I think I think that's something that I've really noticed as a student. And I think that even goes back to high school. I mean, I had teachers in high school that I could care I could I could tell they genuinely cared about us and they genuinely loved their job and they loved what they did. Um and then there were some that you could tell they were just tired and they were worn out and they were they were sick of teaching the same thing day in and day out mm-hmm. to every single student. Um, I think it's especially hard in high school when you think about it, because, you know, you have the teachers that are teaching like U.S. history and they're teaching it the same thing seven times a day. And they do that every single day. (laughs) It has to be so incredibly hard. I cannot imagine. Mm -hmm. I think that would just that would be so hard, especially trying to make it fun for the students, Mm -hmm. because you could tell your first period teachers they were ready to go. They were geared up, ready to go. Your seventh period teachers, 
they were like, all right, here's the information. <laughs> now you can do, you can do homework for the rest of the period if you want, you know? And I know that there are some listeners, you know, that are, you know, high school, middle school teachers where they do mm-hmm. teach the same, the same lesson over and over and over again to different classes throughout the day. So there's a couple of things that I want, <clears throat> excuse me, to go back to what you said. Now, number one, you know, something that I know about you as your mom is that you have always loved school. You have always been one of those very engaged students that really does go to school to learn. And Mm -hmm. I, of course, am very, very proud of you and how, you know, how much you have enjoyed school and how how many amazing connections you've made with teachers, elementary all the way through college. And um, so I think that this is something that we should really chat about for a moment because, a lot of times whenever I'm talking to teachers about things that they're struggling with, they're struggling with disengagement and apathy or, mm-hmm. you know, extreme behaviors from their students, whether it be elementary, middle school, high school, right? Um, so sometimes students like you kind of have to sit back and like, we we don't think about you a lot because mm-hmm. you're not the one who's causing the problem. You're not yeah. the one who's making teaching so hard. And I, mm-hmm. I, for one, can attest to the fact that you, you, your type of student, the, the type of student that comes to school to learn, or even if you're not super engaged, you're just there because you know you have to be, you just want to mm-hmm. do the work and go, you know, go home, that you kind of get, you know, lost in the shadows of what's happening in the classroom. So um, I, I really, I really appreciate your perspective because I think that this, you know, especially for me, because I know the same thing happens in my class that, um, you know, I love what I do. And you also mentioned that you could tell the teachers that come to school to collect a paycheck and to do their job. Now I've had this conversation with you too, let you know Mm -hmm. that my perspective is that, um, teaching is a job. Like you, you would not go and do it for free. You know, like you said, you have to get paid. So I think there's a fine balance there, but, um, I guess I just really want, I really, I really would love to hear your, uh, you to go a little bit deeper on mm-hmm. how you've seen teachers um, throughout your entire school experience. How have you, how have you, ex- you know, can you, th- can you think of any specific situations that, do you have any that come to mind of where like you were just really feeling kind of left behind or kind of maybe an afterthought because your teacher was really struggling with something specific? I mean, gosh, I, I think in high school that happened to me a lot, um, specifically because I was an AP student. I -hmm. took a lot of honors classes. I was in a lot of honors programs in high school. Um, and the classes that I was in that were not, you know, challenging and engaging and things that I didn't know. And I was, I was learning for the first time. Um, those classes, I could tell that those were like the teachers that would be teaching the same thing every day. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that there was one teacher who was, had just, she had just given, she had just given birth. So she, she had, you know, her, her, uh, time off, you know, over a couple months and then came back and you could tell she was really struggling with that. It was her first kid. Um, and she was, she, you could tell that she was just like, I just want to go home and see my kid, which mm. obviously, I mean, any, anyone would recognize that that's a normal thing to do. Um, and I could just, you know, that was very obvious. Hey there, I'm calling a quick timeout on this episode really quickly to remind you about hacking teacher burnout, my step-by-step burned in process in book form. 
Every school year seems to bring about different and uniquely difficult challenges. And now that I'm back in the classroom, it has become more important than ever for me to stay focused on my core values, my mindset, my goals, and my habits. And you may not know this, but when I began to burn out many years ago for the fifth time in my six-year school career, I told myself that this was just the way life was going to go. Cry on the way to work in my car, cry in the bathroom, cry on the way home from school. You get it, right? (laughs) The current challenges that we're facing in education even today are monumental. Maybe you've got unrealistic expectations and a to-do list that never ends. Maybe you've got student behavior issues or you're feeling a lack of support from your team or community. Maybe you work in a toxic work culture and maybe even dealing with a personal crisis. All of these challenges make balancing teaching and your everyday life sometimes seem unmanageable until now because teacher burnout has been hacked. In my Hacking Teacher Burnout book, I share the eight-step process I designed to help myself and thousands of teachers from around the world to navigate our way out of burnout. You see, out of my rock-bottom burnout moment, I learned ways to focus on what I can control while learning ways to let go of the things that are out of my control. My book shines light on burnout as an opportunity for growth and change, and in it, I empower you to become a burned-in teacher, a happier, more fulfilled, efficient, and effective person in the classroom and in life. In Hacking Teacher Burnout, you'll learn the steps that you can take to discover your burnout type. Did you know that everyone has a type? Take actions that are best for you depending on your type, move through burnout rather than fighting against it, and making time for things that bring you growth and joy and so much more. And right now, you can download chapter one for free. That's right. You can start your journey out of burnout using my process on the house. Go to burnedinteacher.com slash free chapter today to get your first chapter on me. And there's no better time. The Burned In Teacher process has empowered thousands of teachers to believe that they deserve and can achieve a happier and more fulfilled career in life. And I know that this process that I built to help me is going to help you to go from isolated to empowered whenever you need it. All right. Now back to the episode. Burn on. Um, there are also teachers that you can tell they're fed up with, with their schools. Mm-hmm. Um, they're tired of their, of their schools, you know, telling them what to do, what not to do. And they just want to come in and teach and do what they know is right and, and teach the way that they know the students are going to enjoy and like and engage with, mm-hmm. but their school's telling them, you know, you, you know, you're not allowed to teach this way, or you can't say these kinds of things, especially when you're looking at, um, you know, like government classes or mm-hmm. like history classes, there are some things, you know, that are really sensitive topics, which obviously are hard to talk about. Um, but they're part of the curriculum. You know, I, right. I took an AP government class in high school and these things were on the exam. You know, we had to talk about them in class and you could tell the teacher wanted to, to, to say specific things. And the way that he would do it is he would have us just talk about them. He would have mm. us engage and and have discussions and have like even debates in the classroom, you know, just to, just to be, um, you know, engaged with the, with the topics. So you could tell like he was kind of skirting his way around trying to teach and do the right thing, but also making sure that he was, you know, not liable for anything happening. Did you ever have a teacher, um, outrightly like voice their frustration with the system or with, how they were feeling like did you ever have that happen where you were like uh <laughs> i don't really know how to you know how to handle this 
So that is, that's actually a funny story. So my professor that I told you last semester, he's retired. He's, he spoke up against the school multiple times about mm-hmm. different things that they were doing and things that he didn't like and who they were taking money from and like all these different things. Um, so that was a, that was really interesting. And we would all just kind of sit there, you know, we didn't know these things were going on. We didn't know this was happening. And so that was, that was actually really cool to hear. But I think that's also different because we're college students and, you know, we're, we're paying the school to teach us these things. And he was like, I'm going to, I'm going to speak my mind. I'm, I'm retired anyway. They can kick me out if they want, Mm. Um, which was, I've never heard any, any teacher say that before. Mm. Um, But I mean, other than that, you know, in, in high school and middle school, the teachers maybe would make some like side comment, but you didn't really understand it, especially in like elementary middle school, because you're, ages like six to 14 and you don't really understand. Right. Um, But yeah, I think that was like the only time that I've really heard someone outrightly speak out against the school that they're working in. Mm. So let's like, let's back up some more. Like when you Mm -hmm. lived at home and Mm -hmm. you were in, you know, elementary, middle, high school, like you live with two teachers, right? Now dad is obviously um, a principal, but you hear us like talking shop you know, at dinner or if we're, you know, in the car or whatever. So you've heard our perspective, like the backstage conversations that happen. And you've heard a lot of frustrating things over Mm -hmm. the years um, that your dad and I have talked about. But so let's back up to elementary school. So listeners, you may or may not know this, but I actually had Hannah in my second grade class. (laughs) So what what was that like for you? I loved it. I loved it. Honestly, it was really fun. I will say, so I had, I had her in second grade. Uh, when I moved to third grade, I had a male teacher, Mr. Ott, mm-hmm. and I would call him mom a couple times for the first <laughs> few weeks, just because, you know, I, I was just used to that, but no, that was, that was a really cool experience. And another thing is like, I, yes, I had, um, my mom as my teacher, but my friends had my parents as their teachers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was a really interesting thing too, because when I was in fourth grade, uh, dad was still teaching mm-hmm. and my friends had him. And it was just, it was a very cool dynamic because it was, it was like, I owned the school. Like it, <laughs> I felt like I owned that school. We would walk in at 6am and I just go like running around in the hallways. You did. It was awesome. It was so cool. <laughs> Um, yeah, that was, it was a really good experience. And I think it's also really cool because, you know, now you hear different things about educational standards and what's happening in schools and you, you see it on TV and you read about it and you talk about it. And I get to have that perspective. Like Mm -hmm. I grew up with teachers. I grew up hearing these things, not just on the news, but like at the kitchen table. Mm -hmm. And I was really excited whenever I was older, when I was like an older teen, when I would be able to engage in the conversations with you guys and like, and, and not only hear about it, but, but talk about it and learn about it and hear about your struggles and how, how teachers are struggling. And, um, it, I, it was a really cool dynamic, I think. Mm -hmm. So, so let's kind of dive into that now, because one thing I wanted to talk with you about today is because, you know, I was so young when I had you and, um, you were in the same school building with your dad and I, um, Especially, I mean, when I first got my, when I got my first teaching job, uh, my first classroom in the school that you worked in and your dad worked in, it was 2007. And of course I was pregnant with your sister. Mm -hmm. And um, so you were a first grader when I started teaching first grade. 
um, mm-hmm. in that building. And um, I, and I've been very open and honest about the fact that I started struggling with burnout my very first year teaching all the way through that eighth year that I worked in that building and beyond. And you were old enough to at least maybe be a little bit aware of my, of what I was going through. So I, I'm just curious to hear like what you remember about, because I don't think that I outrightly obviously didn't have these conversations with my first, second grader, you know, about how much I was struggling, but like, did you ever see anything or do you remember anything about, you know, maybe seeing me cry in the car or (laughs) anything like that? I mean, there, there are definitely a couple moments, um, that I just remember you struggling really hard with, with the profession and, and doing what you love to do and, and continuing to love it, you know, finding, refinding that love. Um, I think one moment that always sticks out to me in my mind, I think was right before you started doing burned in teacher. Um, I would have been gosh, like 13, maybe. Mm-hmm. I remember we were sitting at uh, Grandma Janet's, my grandparents' kitchen table, and you were working on your computer. And you were you were just all going on and on and on about this really cool business idea you thought and starting maybe starting a blog and, and talking about these things that you struggle with and you're doing. And I just remember for the first time in a couple months, like seeing you have that passion, I was like, all right, like she's doing better. She's good. Like she's doing good because that whole year before or so, I just remember you like coming home and just being exhausted because you you were kind of losing that passion and not not because of anything you were doing, but just because it was really draining for you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that once you started Burning Teacher, I I saw that spark a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's really that's really cool to look back and like, know that as like a, a, as a 13, 14 year old kid, I'm recognizing, you know, the struggles that you are going through. And, and that's when I first understood like, oh, this isn't teaching. Isn't just all fun and games and going and hanging out with kids all day and having fun. Like it, it is a, it is a job and realizing that people can struggle with their jobs. That was something that I had never really seen before and and recognized, but I definitely remember that time. Oh, you've never shared that with me, but <laughs> I remember that too. Cause we had just mm-hmm. sold our house and we were living at, at grandma Janet's house yes. um, in between. Cause she had just moved out and she was in the process of selling hers as well. Yeah. That, I mean, that was the very beginning of mm-hmm. burned in teacher. So that would have been um, the spring and summer of 2016. Um, whenever I had first started, <clears throat> first started burned in teacher. So Gosh. So even previous to that, like, did you, did you ever notice that? Did you notice anything with my mood? Did you notice anything with my energy? Like you, you mentioned that time that you felt that you felt like you could notice that my passion was coming back. Did you, but did you notice anything before that about, you know, maybe me being extra moody, um, extra tired? Like, did you notice anything like that at all? You know, again, like, I mean, gosh, this was what, eight, eight or nine years ago. Mm-hmm. This uh, would have been yes. seven years, mm-hmm. seven years. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't remember a ton because little 14 year old me didn't really care, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I definitely know that I could, I could tell, I mean, 
you and I were having conversations um, in our house in Ligonier. I remember one day we were driving mm-hmm. and I was like, we should just move. And you were like, yeah, we should move. <laughs> and then I think we put a for sale sign in our yard like a week later. We did. Yeah, and we really both, did. That was a time when both you and I were struggling to find our place mm-hmm. because where we were at was not our place. Right. Neither of us were able to find our people. Mm-hmm. We didn't really have a lot of support. You in your job, me at school, mm-hmm. you know, we were both just ready for something new and ready for something that would make us feel like we belonged somewhere. Oh my and gosh. That we were, and that we were genuinely welcomed somewhere. And Mm -hmm. I think that was really cool too, because again, that is something that is so vivid in my memory from when I was 14 years old. And if you have a vivid memory from that young, you know, that's something big because I mean, you and I were just going through it together in different ways, in different ways, but we were both ready. Yeah. I remember that. I remember that conversation. I haven't thought about that for years. I do remember the conversation that I had in your dad with your dad in the kitchen one night. I don't know if you girls, you, you probably weren't around, but I was crying again. Um, and he was like, what do you want? Tell me what you want. I'll do it. I don't want to see you miserable and crying anymore. I said, I don't want to live here anymore. And this must've been maybe that same day that you and I had this conversation. And I remember his face went white. And then I was like, no, I want to live with you. I just don't want to live. I just don't want to live here anymore. This is not the place for us. There has to be a better place where we feel like we belong and a a city that supports our core values where we can do the things that we enjoy and not Mm -hmm. have to leave our, our town all the time to do them. And uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, that conversation was what at the end of January and our home was sold within the, within two weeks. And Mm -hmm. that I I've talked about that before that it was, that was part a really, really important part of my burnout recovery and moving through it because part of what was burning me out wasn't just where I was teaching, but it was where we were living because it was everywhere. It was, it was all consuming um, how miserable we, we were uh, and not just, yep. not just me, it, you too. It just wasn't the right place, place for us. It wasn't. And I think that I, I don't think that I would go back and change it though, because, no. you know, as miserable as I was, as, as hard as it was to go through th- those things, I think it made us both realize what we needed. And once we found it, we didn't take it for granted. No, we still talk about, you know, we still live in the same house that we, you know, moved to back in 2016 in the, you know, the new city in Fort Wayne where we live now. And we still, your dad and I will still be on walks and we'll be like, God, we are so glad we moved. Like we do Mm -hmm. not take it for granted for a second that the decision that we made was hard. It was easy and hard at the same time because we were leaving our family. We lived in the same town as our family. You know, my mom, um, my dad lives, you know, lived a, a little further away, but my sister, you know, both my sisters now live in that town. You know, that was really hard for me, but gosh, like, I think it just is a really, it is a true testament to how when you are, when you're trying to change your life, like you have to try to think outside of the box of like what else you can do that's good for you in that moment, in that season. Yeah. And um, we just, we never looked back whenever we, I mean, we sold our house in three days on Facebook wasn't it? Like, <laughs> yep. 
It was crazy. It was crazy. It was so crazy because I remember I was in a, I was in a musical. Mm-hmm. I was in a musical during that time when we sold the, the house, when we were trying to decide where to go. And I remember like a, a week or so after, you know, like closing when we had officially sold the house and you were like, all right, you should, you can tell your friends now. And I told them and they were like, what mm-hmm. you're, you're moving. Like, when did this happen? And I was like, we just did it. We mm-hmm. just did it. We just sold our house. Like it's, it's done. Yeah. So gosh, it was just, I, I, I truly do value how much, how much it changed and where we were at because we had a way better experience. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you guys are still having that really awesome experience. Yeah. So Obviously, you know, between you and I in this in this conversation, it's really not just between you and I. Obviously, there are going to be thousands of people that listen to this podcast episode. Mm-hmm. So, what would you say as a student um to a to a teacher who is not just having a bad day? Like everybody's going to have a bad day. They're going to be, you know, kind of um just off, you know, and maybe they're tired or maybe they're sick or, you know, maybe something happened that's just throwing them off for that day, but what would you tell a teacher that you know is consistently struggling? Like you, you've heard me talk about burnout. You know what it looks like. It's that day in, day out frustration, exhaustion um, mm-hmm. that that comes along with burnout and doing the same thing every day um, and not seeing any different results. What would you say to them, like as a student? I think that again, like going back to the very beginning when I was talking about the three different types of professors and. You can tell those like tenured teachers or really any teacher that is just kind of there and doing something, they don't engage with the students. And that's the biggest thing that, you know, we realize as students is non-engagement, you know, Mm -hmm. not having any conversations with us, just talking to us instead of with us. And I think simply changing that, like have a conversation, um, especially if you're in like a middle or high school and you're, you know, teaching different classes all day, start out with a conversation. It doesn't have to be the whole time. You don't have to be having a conversation, you know, interacting with us every second of whatever you're teaching, but just talk to us, you know, have a, have a, you know, Hey, how are you guys doing? Tell me about this. Like, what did you guys do over the weekend? You know, something like that. I think that honestly can make all the difference because Teachers that would do that versus teachers that would go straight into teaching and not learn anything about us. Mm. I mean, the the mood in the class was completely different. Mm. I love that. I love that so much. So like humanizing. Yeah. But has become sort of a depersonalized uh, profession. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, Hannah, thank you so much for coming on the podcast with me. Is there anything that of I forgot course. to ask that we talked about? Um, I don't think so. No. Okay. Well, I appreciate you taking time out of your relaxing Sunday to chat with your mom. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. We're just going to have so much fun with quizzes and and homework today. So (laughs) (laughs) well, it's a beautiful day to do it. And I love you. Thanks for spending time with me. I appreciate you so much. And I'm so proud of you. Thank you. I love you too. I am very (laughs) proud of you. This is really cool. (laughs) <laughs> uh, this is this is only the second podcast I've ever been on before, mm-hmm. and I love it. It's so fun. Oh, that's right. You were on a podcast with Joe Beth, right? Back in 2020, she was interviewing you for 
um, about oh, your yeah. experience. So this yeah. is the third podcast I've been on. I was on one in high school too. Okay. So cool. Wow. Well, Very I'm fun. so glad to be your third interviewer, your third podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, my friends, everybody take a deep breath because you just took another step to becoming a burned in teacher. Burn on. If you enjoyed today's podcast episode, you can head over to burnedinteacher.com where you can access the entire vault of Burned In Teacher podcast episodes and more information about ways I want to help you go from burned out teacher to burned in human. If you enjoyed today's episode, I would be so grateful if you would head over to iTunes and leave a review and a rating about the Burned In Teacher podcast. Until next time, take a deep breath because you just took another step to becoming a burned-in teacher. Burn on.